0: Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to
1: just swipe I just want somebody to share my life with
0: We have to get you ready to get back out there. You can
1: keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to the second episode of season nine of the Dates and Mates podcast. I've been doing this show a long time, but nothing in the last eight years of Dates and Mates prepared me for the curveball year and a half that we have all been facing. Well, like that we are currently facing right now. So that's why I thought it was important to switch up the format today. Instead of talking about the Dating Dish headlines, we're unveiling a brand new segment called Hot Tip Time. It's inspired by the dating hot tips that I give on The Drew Barrymore Show. And I'm going to give you three quick tips on one single topic of dating or relationships. Today's hot tips will be all about the major mistakes and dating wins I've seen in the age of the Delta variant if it's not safe, it's not sexy, you know what they say. (laughs) Then my guest today is an absolute gem, the brilliant behavioral scientist and dating coach. She's the director of relationship science at the dating app Hinge and the author of the hot new book, How Not to Die Alone. She's going to tell us the three main types of daters and the biggest mistakes that each type makes so you can fix your dating sitch. Then in Dear Demona, I will answer your questions, including how can I escape the friend zone and become girlfriend material? And should you date multiple people at once? Lovers, we're kicking it off hot. You ready? It's hot tip time. I've given you the ABCs of dating this past year, but guess what? We've gotten to letter D now, so we're going to have to begin the lesson all over again. In case you haven't figured it out yet, I'm talking about the Delta variant. Just while we were out here trying to enjoy our hot back summer, here comes Delta changing the script. But don't worry, this is not going to be a lecture about getting vaccinated. But seriously, you should get vaccinated. I have the dating app data to prove it. You all know I'm OKCupid's official dating coach, and I know that the I'm vaccinated profile badge has a 96 percent opt in rate in the United States. And I'll tell you what else. On OKCupid, it'll get you 15 percent more likes and 14 percent more matches. So it's good for you. That said, we all know that it is still possible to get and give COVID-19 even if we're vaccinated. (gasps) So where does that leave you? in terms of going on dates with strangers. Well, let me take you on a little journey. I was watching the Back to the Future episode of the Movies Who Made Us on Netflix, and it got me thinking that we have to go back, you know, back to the future too. Remember how you were dating back in August of 2020? Okay, great. So step one is to pretend like you set your DeLorean back a year. But just like Marty McFly, if you fix the things that didn't go according to plan in the past, you can look forward to a bright future ahead. Maybe I should have said spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen Back to the Future, definitely see Back to the Future so you know what I'm talking about. The next thing you're gonna have to think about is where and when to meet your matches. And everyone listening to this podcast is a grownup, and of course, you can make your own choices, but I'll tell you what's worked for my clients throughout this year. And I've gotten three wedding announcements already and several I'm moving in messages too. So I know that this approach works. You ready? Hot tip number one, you need to do more screening. Gone are the days when you could just swipe, 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 message, 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 and then jump into a date. Okay. You need to be messaging back and forth a bit, no more than a week though, and then move to a phone call or a video date. This is where the screening step comes in. This is where you qualify your dates to see if you can trust them, if they're worthy of your time. To me, if you're going to enjoy your date, like actually going on the date, whether or not it's a match. I know what you're thinking. Demona, if it's not a match, it's a waste of time, isn't it? No, absolutely not. You should only be going on dates that you want to go on either way. And you never know what might happen. Even if they're not a romantic connection, they might know a friend, they might become a business connection. You don't know. So be open to it, but plan a date that actually sounds interesting to you. And if you're planning Zoom dates as like a pre-date screening step, first of all, don't go into it dreading the conversation. You have to prepare yourself mentally to be open to the possibilities and then plan something fun. Gamify it. Tell them you're going to ask 20 questions or play truth or dare or take them on a walk in your neighborhood. Make it fun. Not an interview. I know we are Zoomed out. We are FaceTimed out. But you can just with a little bit more effort, make it a more interesting experience that you're both going to have together. But you got to remember this. Keep the first Zoom date short if you're hoping to get to a real date soon. So I'd say 30 minutes should be enough time to, you know, like catch their vibe. 60 minutes if you really aren't sure about doing an IRL date right now or you're still trying to suss them out. But no more than that. Here's a big takeaway. You want to leave the call with a clear sense of what's happening next. And if you want it to be a date, just say so. Which brings us to hot tip. Number two, don't plan another boring dinner date to meet someone for the first time. Dinner is dull and you can take advantage of nice weather in most places right now and do something more exciting. Get ice cream, go hiking, have a drink on an outdoor patio, rent a paddle boat, play mini golf. Clearly, I've thought about things and I have passionate ideas. But I'll tell you the same thing that I've been telling my kids for months. You need to get outside and do something can someone please tell me how to get my kids to get outside and do something? Anyways, no, I'm talking to you about dating. So once you're there on this date, I want you to remember that you are responsible for your own good time. You're responsible for your own COVID dating safety plan. You don't owe this person anything. You just met them. So if you're not comfortable indoors taking masks off with a stranger tell them if you're not comfortable going on a date with someone unless they're vaccinated, tell them it is life or death, like literally. And it will lay the foundation for boundaries in your relationship. And I've seen time and time again, if you don't get the boundaries, the rules, the the expectations of the relationship set up early on, they're going to be flimsy. They're going to fall down. They're going to frustrate you later on. Now, hot tip number three. Practice slow love. What is the rush? If you're in it for the long haul and you're not just looking for the hookup, why are you trying to fast forward to the end of your love story? The fun part is in the getting to know you phase. The fun part is the flirtation that builds as you earn someone's trust and, and as you begin to remove the masks. And then in time, other pieces of clothing, which makes me think of the question, when can you be intimate? Again, that's up to you. But if you don't know their VAC status and you haven't both taken a COVID test or two, according to my guest from last season, Dr. James Simmons, then slow your roll. I saw a lot of COVID era relationships come out of the gate super hot and heavy and fizzle just as fast. So now that we are past the peak, God willing, we are past the peak, right? And working towards the vaccination rates we need to get onto the next phase, let's be more mindful about how we enter our relationships. So again, your hot tips today are, number one, screen like your life depends on it. And it's us. Number two, plan a great first date. Outdoors, okay? Number three, practice slow love. And most importantly, get yourself vaccinated. And if you're vaccinated, let it be known on your dating app. I hope you enjoyed our brand new segment, Hot Tip Time. I just want to shout out one of our listeners who graciously left us a five star review on Apple. His name is Chris. And he says, if you're searching for a great dating advice pod, look no further. Demona Hoffman has been a dating coach for over 15 years come on, Chris, don't age me like that. She's always up to date with current trends in dating news and statistics. Damona and her team are the best. Chris, shoot, you are the best. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being one of our friends with benefits too. anybody can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're listening right now. And if you want more help and love from me why not join the club too? Like Chris, you can get access to bonus trainings, our past episode library, and access to my weekly behind the mic live stream, where you can ask me anything about your specific current dating situation. It's just five bucks to join and it's at patreon.com slash dates and mates. Of course, the link will be in the show notes. Okay. In a moment, I will grace your ears with the brilliant Logan Urie. Gather out, lovers. I am here with Logan Yuri. She is Hinge's head of relationship science, a dating coach, and now the author of the acclaimed book, How to Not Die Alone. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, the Atlantic Times, so many other places. And I'm super excited to welcome her for the very first time to Dates and Mates. Please help me give big smooches to the one and only Logan Yuri. Hi, I'm so happy to be with you. Girl, it's been a long time coming. Since I talked with you on NPR's Life Kit, so many people have written in and been like, we need more. You need to get Logan on Dates and Mates. So here we are. We are going to do a deep dive on dating apps. And also, what I really love about your book, How to Not Die Alone, is how you, you just make it so easy, Logan. You really just systematize and break down the process of dating into something that's so easy to follow. So I'd love to give everybody a little taste of that today.
0: (laughs) Great. I can't wait. Let's dig in.
1: Okay. So let's just talk, first of all, about the process of dating. Let's tell everybody a little bit about your background, just so they know. I mean, you're already very credible to me, but I want them to be like, okay, let me take some notes. You ran Google's behavioral science team called the Irrational Lab what is the irrational lab and why does it exist? Yeah.
0: So behavioral science for people who aren't familiar with it is the study of how we make decisions. And the whole idea is that we are often very irrational. We often act against our own best interests. And so that might mean we say we want to save for retirement, but then we get an email about a sale at West Elm and we buy up everything. Or we say we want to eat healthier, but then we go to a buffet and fill our plates. And so we often have goals, but we don't actually pursue them. And and what are all the things getting in our way? My whole philosophy in dating and life and everything is understand what are the invisible forces changing your behavior, creating these blind spots where you're making mistakes. And then how do we tell you about those blind spots and, and help you make better decisions? And so the way I think about dating and relationships is Getting into a great relationship is about making a bunch of small choices and let's break dating down into those choices, help people make better choices, and then they're going to wind up in the relationship of their
1: dreams. You make it sound so simple. But I've seen that it can be when you put a process around it. And I know you see this also as the director of relationship science now mm-hmm. at, at the dating app Hinge. So let's break it down for folks and give them like some tangible takeaways and then they can go pick up your book, How to Not Die Alone, and they can really follow it step by step. So first of all, mindset going into it. This is the way that I run my own program. Mm-hmm. Like we start with a mindset. What's your philosophy on how to get into the process of dating differently?
0: Yeah, I love that question. And I really think mindset is so important. And one of the ideas in behavioral science is that we think we're in control of our own decisions In some ways, we're not. And what is in control of our decisions? A lot of times it's the environment. So, right, it's like the way that a menu presents food affects what you're gonna order. The way that the grocery store displays um, the different items affects what you're gonna choose. All of our environments affect us. And so one of the forms of our environment is our mindset. And so I like to think about it as when you're going on a date, if you think the date will go well or you think the date will go poorly, you're right. And so mindset is everything. And when I start with people in the book and with people I coach, we really start from the beginning and we think about why haven't you found someone yet? What are your patterns of behavior? Have you been dating? Have you not been dating? Do you tend to break up with people? Do they break up with you? Do you have something going on with your attachment style? And really understanding we have to get you ready to get back out there. And part
1: of that is just understanding your patterns and doing a bit of a dating audit. So how do we do that? In your experience, people fall into a couple different categories. Mm -hmm. Where are most people that you work with aligning and what are the options of the different challenges that they might be facing in their dating style?
0: When I have been working as a dating coach, I saw a lot of people around the world and from different backgrounds, but felt like it kept seeing the same patterns over and over. And so I categorized them into these three things called the three dating tendencies. And each one is about unrealistic expectations. And so I'll just explain them quickly. The romanticizer has unrealistic expectations of relationships. They think it's going to be all fun effortless. You find your soulmate. They look exactly how you thought they'd look and you live happily ever after. The maximizer has unrealistic expectations of their partner. They always want the best of this ex-girlfriend, the best of that ex-girlfriend. Oh, the grass is always greener here. Really, they're always trying to say, what else is out there? What, what better partner could I get? And then the hesitator, is the person who has unrealistic expectations of themselves. And they put a lot of pressure on themselves and they say, I'm not ready to date yet. I need to lose weight. I need a more impressive job. I need to clean my apartment. And they're always creating these reasons why they can't date and they're not lovable yet. And so each of these really holds people back. And so one of your questions was, which do I see the most? And so I'd say, before my book came out, the client I worked with the most was the maximizer. And I think part of that might be, I live in Silicon Valley. There's a lot of engineers, more type A people. And the kind of person who was drawn to me tended to be the maximizer, right? They want to plan. They want to research their way to love. But now I think both because of the pandemic and the fact that More people are now familiar with my work. I'm hearing from a ton of hesitators, people who have not been dating, have not been putting themselves out there, and really feel like it
1: will take a lot of effort for them to re-enter the dating pool. Oh, sure, yeah, I'm sure that this pandemic has dramatically changed, just from a behavioral science perspective, Mm -hmm. so the way that we are interacting with one another in the dating space. Absolutely, but it's all kind of a double-edged sword, I guess. We can. Knowledge is power. So understanding how it's affecting us is key to being able to develop a strategy to move forward. So you talked about the hesitators. You talked about the romanticizers. What's uh, the third? Maximizer. The maximizer. Oh, so you said you said maximizer. Wait, I got that wrong. Romanticizer
0: is the first one. They have unrealistic expectations of relationships. The second one's the maximizer who has unrealistic expectations of who they're going to date, and then the hesitator has unrealistic expectations of themselves and
1: doesn't put themselves out there. Now we know where we sit. Yeah. (laughs) What do we do about it? Yeah. I like to have people commit a certain amount of time to dating differently Mm -hmm. because I think it can feel overwhelming, especially coming out of the pandemic, as we were saying. Yeah. It can feel really overwhelming to re-enter and just feel like, oh, here I go on this this journey that seems to be never ending. Yeah. So I just say, look, just give it 3 months. Commit 3 months of your life mm-hmm. to doing this differently. Mm-hmm. What's your strategy on time frame or, you know, how to First of all, I'm just so glad that we're talking in the weeds cuz this is
0: really my favorite thing, right? It's like we could talk philosophy all day long, but I want people listening to be like, "Okay, I'm going to finish this podcast and like go do a bunch of yeah. things." So thank you for keeping us in that zone. So Where I would start with people is just in this getting ready zone, it's figuring out like, what are your patterns? Who are you? So we talked about the three dating tendencies. I have a quiz on my website if you want to take it, but it's really figuring out, all right, here's what's holding me back. And then it's about what can I do about it? How can I make different choices in the future? And so if you're a hesitator, what you really need to do is start dating again. And so I would say, here's my short checklist for getting back out there. I want you to choose a date in the future, something around three weeks from now, where you're going to start dating in earnest. Before that, I want you to create a new profile. So gather some pictures. If you don't have any pictures, get a friend with a good iPhone to take some pictures of you, ask around, you know, which of these pictures is the best and make a new profile. I want you to have a couple date ideas in mind, things other than getting coffee or drinks. I want you to have a few date-ready outfits that make you feel confident and really just get accountability from your friends. Hey, hey, dating's really important to me. I'm getting back out there. I want your support. If you see me trying to quit in a week or two, nudge me back on course. And so that's for the hesitator. For the maximizer, it's hard, but a lot of it is about understanding that depending on your age, you likely have already dated somebody who would make a great long-term partner. And so it's not about saying, let me keep dating and dating and dating and swiping and swiping and seeing, oh, if I only keep researching more, I'll find the perfect person. It's about understanding that relationships are built. They're not discovered. And that means you're empowered. You can go out there and build that relationship. So find someone great who's willing to put in the work and build it with them. Don't just keep thinking about the perfect person is one swipe away.
1: You've said a mouthful. Wait, hold on. We got to unpack a couple yeah, of these yeah, things. I'm, yeah, please interrupt we me. We are please. in the weeds. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to make sure that people understand everything that you just said, because that was a lot to take in. And you said this is all happening before you date in earnest. I really want to understand mm-hmm. what you mean by that, Logan. What is dating in sure. earnest look like? And what does this preparation for dating phase really mean like are you not talking to anyone on the apps yet
0: so for the hesitator in particular they're not on the apps or they're not really using them so dating in earnest might be the difference between oh i have hinge downloaded and once a month i log in i send a few messages and then i don't check back that's not dating in earnest and so dating in earnest to me would would mean I'm thinking about myself as a dater. I have an identity around being someone looking for love. I'm putting in the time and effort. I'm willing to prioritize this over other things. I might be willing to cancel a work meeting or a dinner with friends if I have a promising second date. I'm really allowing dating to take up space in my life, knowing that it might come at the consequence of something else, but that's okay. When something is
1: a goal of yours, you have to prioritize it. Yes, (laughs) ding. like you said, there's only so much pie, y'all. There's only so much pie Mm -hmm. to go around. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you have to just make a little bit of space in the pie for dating. And I see Logan, a lot of times people will say to me, well, I've been dating. I've been doing this thing. I've been doing it for a long time. Mm -hmm. I've been on and off the apps. And Mm -hmm. the cycle that I tend to see, like from the people that write into Dates and Mates, a lot of times they maybe tried the apps. And I'm also speaking to those right now who are saying, I don't want to do app. They Mm -hmm. usually have not even given the app a full week or two of effort. I see in my coaching program when I'm like, okay, we got to push through that week or two. And we've refreshed your profile to be more magnetic. That period is usually extended. But then around, I would say, four to six weeks as the new activity starts to wane, then people start to lose their motivation and then they get discouraged, and then they're like, it's Mm -hmm. not working. When so many times I see that the magic thing that's about to happen is right on the other side of that moment when they wanted to quit. And my job as a dating coach is to push them past that moment. You're talking about you can even get accountability from your friends. What do you see in your practice, or what do you see at Hinge in terms of the common experiences that make people push the app or the process away before you really get to that juicy point.
0: Yeah, I love what you're saying. And I think about this a lot because I see it all the time with coaching. And you can almost imagine it as a visual where somebody starts coaching with you and they feel really motivated, right? I'm putting time and money into this and I feel like great things are going to happen. And then they have a small win and they feel even better. And then suddenly they're getting rejected or they get ghosted or. They're not getting as many matches as they want. And suddenly their enthusiasm wanes. And so it's really these motivation waves of highs and lows in which sometimes we feel like we're making progress and sometimes we feel like we're regressing. And so as a coach, I'm sure you feel the same way. One of our jobs is to help people to keep going when they have that dip. It's like, look dating, there's no magic bullet. You don't just put one word on your profile or switch one picture and suddenly you find your soulmate. It's a process. You have to keep showing up. You have to keep putting the effort in. You have to send messages. You have to send likes. You have to go on dates. One of those dates is going to turn into something bigger. And so lately I've been really encouraging my clients just Let's celebrate the small wins of the progress and the effort, because what you can control is what you put in. You can't control how the other person makes you feel. And so there's this whole philosophy called growth and fixed mindset where- Growth mindset is about celebrating effort and fixed mindset in many ways is celebrating the outcome. And so for kids, it's really good to celebrate their effort. You did a great job studying for your test versus celebrating their outcome. Oh, I'm only gonna uh, celebrate you if you get an A. And so I think within dating, we can apply that and say, you have to keep showing up. You have to follow the right steps. It does take time. It probably takes longer than you want. But if you keep doing the right things and iterating and learning. Hopefully you're going to find someone at the end of that journey.
1: And also it's worth saying that the person that you're looking for might not come in the package that you think it might arrive in. And I think, you know, a thing or two about this, Logan, <laughs> from your own experience.
0: Yeah. 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 This is such a such a big thing that I talk to people about. And I imagine you've had this too, where people say, you know, I'm thinking about this client I had that I talk about in the book called Jonathan. And he came and he said, I know exactly what I want. I want a very masculine six foot four businessman. I'm a CEO and I want someone like that. And he was just so sure that he basically wanted his personality twin. And we had him go on a lot of dates. And what he figured out was it actually didn't matter how tall the person was or what their job was. It mattered that they were kind and that they were funny and that they had a good time together. And so he wound up with a really great guy, but he didn't look like this so-called type that he thought he would end up with. And so a lot of my work with people is helping them throw out that checklist, throw out the checklist of height, age, job, education, sometimes race, sometimes religion, and really say, when you pull it all back, how does this person make me feel? Can I build a life with them? Can I make hard decisions with them? Can I have crucial conversations with them? Do I admire and respect them? And so it's not that you can't have a list, but the list should be about the stuff that matters, not that resume bio data.
1: And I love this even in your own story, your own experience, Logan.
0: Tell us about that. I can talk about that. Gosh, how many years has it been now? But I met this guy in college We had lunch together once, and we know that. It was in 2007 because he wrote on my Facebook wall. And then about seven years after that, I saw him on Tinder. And I was like, eh, kind of looks like a bro. All his pictures, he's wearing a tank top and backwards hat and not smiling. And I swipe left on him. And then later, I met him at Google where we were both working at a lunch. And we really hit it off. And I said I needed to be tutored in a certain coding language and he started tutoring me in that. And I thought he was cute, but I was chasing this other guy from Burning Man, this guy who was not interested in me at all, but who I was very focused on proving that he should like me. And it took a year after kind of seeing a dating coach, getting over that guy, realizing he didn't make me feel good about myself that I was like, damn, this guy at work has a lot of qualities I'm looking for. And he makes me feel really appreciated and happy and desired, I'm going to try to date him. And so I I let him know I had no plans that Friday night and we went on a date. And yeah, we've been together for six years and married for a year. And yeah, we're probably
1: happier than we've ever been. I love that. And I love that also you can recognize, Logan, the places in that story, in that trajectory where like maybe you weren't making the right call and you mentioned that you were working with a coach and you had that growth mindset to be able to change. Yeah. I wanna tune into this one moment where you said you were on Tinder and you swiped left on him because of what he was wearing Mm -hmm. or what impression you got from him. So I wanna really do a deep dive on hacking the apps. I work with OkCupid, you work with Hinge. And I think there's a right way and a wrong way to use dating apps. And people like to get frustrated with dating apps and say, the reason I haven't met this person is because this app is no good. And then they ask me like, what's the best dating app? I'm like, the best dating app is the one where you like the people, you like the app and and you're going to use it. So when you swiped left, Logan, Do you think that it was about, was that about him and the way he was presenting himself or was that about you and your expectations? There's so much to it. You know, one
0: thing that came to mind while you were talking is like at the lunch where we really met for real, the one, I think it was in 2014, it was like maybe 10 people. He was sitting across from me. We had this great conversation. I could, he was really in context. I saw him, we talked about different things. We were laughing. He was funny. We just had this amazing moment. And it was really about him. Whereas when I saw him on Tinder, I was looking at dozens or hundreds of people. And so it was just a really quick decision. And I think it's almost, I'm not sure why I remember it so distinctly. Maybe it was just because I recognized him, or I, I just have such a clear memory of, of being, I know exactly where I was when this happened and what he was wearing and all of that. In that moment, I was evaluating him against many people, none of which had that much context. And so what I focused on was he's not smiling. These pictures are repetitive. He seems to like have one day gone on one hike with the backwards hat and a tank top. Took a bunch, and bunch of pictures. This profile doesn't feel, yeah, one, yeah, this doesn't feel warm and welcoming. And I was just like, eh, how does this compare to the hundreds of other people I'm looking at right now? No, I'm not interested. And so I think there's really something there about the fact that, Dating apps are important, and they are the number one way that people meet nowadays, and they are truly the modern matchmaker in terms of saying, here's who's available. But there's also an issue that they are a two-dimensional representation of people. And so I think that what I hope people get from my story is the person I married to, who's made me happier than anyone else in my life, where our relationship continues to deepen, when I saw the two-dimensional version of him, I didn't get it. I didn't get his sense of humor. I didn't get his loyalty. I didn't get that he's a genius, you know, helping to solve mammography and breast cancer screenings, like all these incredible things about him. And so I absolutely think people should be using dating apps because that's how people meet nowadays, especially in a pandemic world that keeps changing. People are hitting on each other less in public. But the bigger lesson is Don't make assumptions about who these people are. Be more open-minded. Say yes to more people. Go on video dates, phone dates, quick hiking dates, whatever it is, and really get a chance to see who people are because it's so easy to misjudge someone based on a profile that they might have spent five minutes making because they only had a few photos of themselves on their phone. And it actually isn't necessarily a great representation of who they are
1: are you recommending that we swipe more liberally? We say yes more often in that initial two-dimensional interaction, and then we figure out if it's a match when?
0: Yeah, this is something that I'm actively thinking about from a research perspective. And so one of the things that I have been saying and that I like is this idea of fewer, better dates, right? Don't go for coffee with A dozen people in a month, they're all going to blend into each other. Maybe each one feels like a job interview. It's not fun. It's an exchange of information. And so could you go on fewer dates that you actually put effort into? For example, a guy I coached last night said he
1: took a woman to an axe-throwing bar. I've been hearing about that. I was like, "This sounds like a recipe for disaster." I've never done axe-throwing, but I'm like, "Let me think." Alcohol, really sharp. How have we not heard like all of these stories of like uh, (laughs) axe-throwing date disasters? Doesn't it feel like a scene from like a rom-com that turns into a horror movie? It really, truly does. But we haven't heard those stories yet, so still good. But. I like where you're going with this. Doing an activity date, I think, is what you're getting at.
0: Yeah. And so I do like the idea of fewer, better dates, and each one is likely to go better. At the same time, and perhaps in contrast to this, I also think that a lot of times people are being too judgmental on the app and making assumptions. And so they might say, oh, he's a lawyer. Lawyers are boring. Oh, she works at this tech company. She's probably like everyone else in tech and not really understanding that, There are many different types of people who work at different companies. And so what I'm, you know, I'm I'm like thinking about this out loud and figuring out where I fall on this, but part of me feels like you can do video chats and phone calls to get a sense of, is this the type of person who I might want to meet up with and have a conversation? And so if you insert this step of the phone call or the FaceTime, you can use that to talk to more people. But then by the time you get to the in-person date, I do think you should be going on fewer, better dates and really investing in something that's going to help you connect, play, have an experience.
1: Yeah, I say you want to go on a date that you'd want to go on, regardless of whether that person becomes your honey or not. (laughs) At least it was not wasted time and you enjoyed yourself. Let's dig into this algorithm question around like how to maximize your experience specifically with the app. Do you have any best practices on how to make sure you're being shown to the right people or as many people as possible? I'm not sure what your philosophy is. Maybe it's both. How to really maximize the app so that it's working
0: for you? I don't have any like super insider info from... The hinge algorithm, I think in general, is sort of a black box in terms of like machine learning and things that, like, even the engineers working on it don't necessarily know like all of the inputs. But there's a lot of things that are best practices that do make a difference. They're not necessarily mind blowing, but people listening who haven't done them should absolutely invest in them. And so the first one is just having a really good profile. People rush through the process of making their profile because they're trying to get to their matches as soon as possible. But your profile is absolutely your chance to make a great first impression. And so this is how I think about a profile. Look at the different pictures and for Hinge, the prompt responses you have. Which are the ones that people comment on? Which are the ones that you rarely get a comment on? Why don't you switch those out for something else? Because every single piece of content on your profile should have the ability to spark conversation. And so for example, I do a lot of profile reviews and I saw one the other day where the person said, I'm looking for someone kind, adventurous, and I can exchange witty banter with them. And I was like, I know what you mean and that's what you're looking for, but that doesn't actually convey any information to me and more problematically, who's going to respond to that? Nobody's going to be like, hey, by the way, I'm kind, adventurous, and I can exchange witty banter. That's just not (laughs) something that someone would say. But if instead you put something like my biggest pet peeve is people who can't parallel park or something like that, or in this specific parking lot in Boston, blah, 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 people who did did this. Suddenly, if somebody relates to that, they are definitely going to respond and they're going to be like, holy cow, that bothers me too. And so really look at your profile and say, if I saw this, could I respond to each thing here? And I I would definitely recommend an audit of your profile. So do your pieces of content spark information, are you telling a story about yourself? If six of the photos are you snowboarding, cool, you like snowboarding, I get it, but what else about you? Or I saw a woman where four out of six of her photos were her from a photo shoot with her dog. And I was like, first of all, these are repetitive, but also you look very one note. It's like, all right, the dog lady, tell me more about you, show me you in your salsa class. And so you're storytelling, you're creating a narrative, it's absolutely worth time and effort. And you really want to have a profile where somebody is not only drawn to you, but also has a way to
1: really open up and talk to you and connect with you. Such great advice. And I know Hinge is really leaning into this with encouraging people to take action off of a Mm -hmm. specific photo or something Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. they've said in their profile. And what you also do very well at Hinge is... Having the prompts. So many people Mm -hmm. tell me, I don't know what to put in my profile. Mm -hmm. I'm no good at writing about myself. And I've said for a long time, I've been doing this a long time, Logan, 15 years, I've been saying, (laughs) "Storytell, tell, tell me about you and your profile. And people are like, but isn't that going to be long? Doesn't that take up a lot of space? Nobody wants to read. And you're right. Nobody wants to read a lot. But if you use those characters, Mm -hmm wisely, you can actually fit a lot of detail in just by choosing specifics, like you just said.
0: Absolutely. And I really, really think about this stuff in depth all the time. And so, for example, I was looking at somebody's profile the other day and there was just a lot of stuff around like, well, I'm from this place, but I moved to this place, but now I live here. And I'm like, that's fine. And I can see why you might include that because maybe somebody lived in one of those cities and wants to connect. I was like, but actually- You're extremely politically active and you're extremely liberal and you care so much about equity, feminism, anti-racism. And that is a huge value of yours. And you really want to date someone who has that. And you haven't put that on your profile. And then the person was like, well, I don't want to turn people off. And I said, your profile is not to please everyone. It's to turn the right people on and the wrong people off. And you are so much better off being bold. And someone who's really into what you're into is going to be so attracted to you. And someone who says anti-racism puts that okay, then they won't engage. And so I really, I told her, I was like, just doesn't matter the three cities you've lived in. I want you to add something about I'm going through this course, or I teach this course for women, or I'm reading this book and put in a cultural reference that someone who's on the same wavelength as you is going to get. And so I think people are afraid of limiting their matches, but why not really stand out to
1: the people who would be a good match? You are speaking gems of wisdom here, Logan, and I could literally talk to you about this all day, but I know you have other things to do. <laughs> and <I know> people, <laughs> no, I'm having so much fun. And people can get so much more of this information from your book. From the OkCupid side, we have data on what people are putting in their profiles that are getting responses, and there are certain words that if you use them, I don't know, you're more likely to get matches. Do you have any of that from Hinge? Back in
0: 2009 with the OK Trends blog, I was so impressed by everything that OKCupid okay did around really bringing different themes to light. And so I remember there was one about how you should say howdy instead of hey. There was, of course, the famous one around the races of different people and what kind of reactions they got. And so anyway, I, I really admire OK Cupid's transparency around all
1: of that. Oh, and that's why I think we're both kind of Data nerds, you know, behavioral science nerds. If I may Absolutely. label you as such, uh, I know I am. And so I love digging into this and, and looking for the trends. So mm-hmm. I, have, I have used OK Trends for a long time. On the blog, we actually just released five tips for getting more matches. And I'll tell you what OK Cupid said. You can tell me if you think I'd it applies to, to Hinge too. What words you can specifically use in your profile dog, travel, Music and love get the most matches and likes on OK Cupid. What do you think about that? It makes
0: sense to me. We did we just did this cool activation in Australia where it was Uber Pets and Hinge and we did a bunch of research on how dog owners are really popular putting your dog in your picture does well. People like when their dog likes their date. So anyway, The dog thing definitely resonates. It's interesting. The travel and music, it makes sense to me in the fact that it's very common, but my hot take and what I talk about in the book is that to spark conversation, you should be specific. And so one of the things I say in the book is, don't tell me you love cooking tell me how every Sunday night you make your grandmother's marinara sauce recipe. Or don't tell me that you love music. Tell me about growing up being a jazz trumpeter and what Miles Davis means to you. And so I do find that when people say things like, I love cooking, travel, and music, it feels generic and cliche and I don't have a response. But when someone says something specific, I can respond. And so this is kind of going into the weeds, but that might be one of those data science things where like those profiles do well, but actually the people who have the easiest time getting into conversations are ones who are being more specific
1: and, and really leaning into the details. I 100% agree with you. And I'll just add that the blog says these are the profiles that contain those mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. So I would be willing to bet, Logan, that they also contain more detail on those topics. Oh, and the big takeaway okay. from it is write about what you love. Totally. And Just going back to your example from earlier, like that person was just like, hey, I'm looking for X, Y and Z. And it was very external Mm -hmm. and also very generic. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you on specificity and that maybe maybe we can use this data to get our mind thinking about specific stories under those categories. So that you can then dive into that in your profile.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, one other note I'll say on that is like, I had a client who did trapeze. She did this circus hobby and she had these awesome pictures of her doing trapeze and they were really great and sexy and people would comment on them and she would complain. And I'm always getting into conversation around trapeze. This is all somebody responds to. And I said, okay, If that's not the conversation you want to have, you can take it off your profile and just really thinking about it as your profile is your opening line. It's what you put out there that people respond to. And so if you walk into a bar wearing a Game of Thrones t shirt, somebody's going to talk to you about Game of Thrones. And so that's what your profile is. You're putting out what you want to engage in. And so if you love talking about a specific pizza place in your neighborhood, put it on there and someone will engage with you. If you don't want to talk about trapeze, don't have that picture, but you are actually controlling what the conversations you get into look like by what you put on your profile.
1: Such a good point. And I'll just add on, you're also in charge of choosing how you want to show up on the date and what you want to do. So I think sometimes people are like, "Oh, I get into these like same old boring dates." And Yet they don't feel empowered to tell someone, I'd rather go mini golfing, to use your example. example, I'd rather go axe throwing, actually. Where's the line, you think, on when you're moving offline, you know, how to do that dance of who's driving the connection, who's choosing what to do? Do you have any rules or best practices? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I just wanted to add one more thing, which was the question you'd asked before, are there any trends we've seen? And the one that I've been most excited about is that we recently added the ability to say your vaccination status and people on Hinge who say that they're vaccinated are getting 30% more matches, which is a really meaningful number. So that is definitely a trend that we've been seeing in terms of, of people
1: having more success on the app. In terms of your, oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And I'll just co-sign on that from the OKCupid. Okay, it won't get you thirty percent, but it'll it'll get you up there. So people definitely pay attention. Get yourself yeah. vaccinated and tell somebody.
0: <laughs> yes. So the next thing, yeah, I think I love thinking about this. And my my recent rant is you're looking for a partner, not a pen pal. And what I mean by that is that people are spending way too long texting on the app, right? People are like, oh, I've been messaging with this girl for three months, but then when I finally asked to meet up in person, she disappeared, and it's maybe that person didn't want to be in a relationship. They just wanted somebody to keep them company or somebody to text with during the pandemic. And so I really encourage people to get to these dates faster. And so if that's hard for you, something that you can do is somebody's like, oh, the craziest thing happened at work today. And you're like, Wait, before you tell me, I'd love to hear it in your own voice on the phone. Or why don't we get together this Thursday at seven and you can tell me in person? And so you're still being warm and enthusiastic, but you're letting them know that you want
1: to up the ante. And this is any gender, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Claire. I'm
0: not into any of those rules, right? I think we've seen plenty of evidence that when women go after what they want, they feel more in control of their dating life. They feel less burned out. It's really good for women to proactively pursue whoever they're looking for. A great step is to go from the dating app to phone number exchange. And then from phone number exchange, say something like, let's hop on the phone, let's do a video call, or do you want to get together insert specific date and time and then from there really try to meet up and look if somebody is consistently saying oh i can or this and that you might just want to call them on it and say like hey i'm here because i'm looking to date someone it sounds like maybe that's not your priority should we pause talking to each other and just really call it out and say like i'm not here for the pen palette i'm here to meet someone
1: in real life totally totally I could literally talk to you all day, Logan, but I'm just, gonna, to. I'm just going to let everybody know, go and get this book if you don't have it already, How to Not Die Alone. It literally, Logan, you just make it so easy. You expand on all the philosophies we talked about and you even give key takeaways at the end of the chapter. So yeah, it's like in case you didn't get it, I'm she gives you just a really easy bullet point version of what you need to do to get your love life on track. So I am so, so honored that you took the time to be here and share your wisdom with us. I want so much more, but we'll just have to have you back. (laughs) I would love
0: that. Thank you for thank you for what you do and for being such a warm interviewer. And yeah, I'm really glad we could spend this time together.
1: Coming up next, I will be breaking down the questions of the week in Dear Demona, including how to turn a hangout into a date and how to know if you're a one woman man. Stay with me. Welcome back. One of my favorite parts of the week is when I get to answer your questions. So let's kick it off with Dear Damona. Damona, help me. Our listener Lindsay sent in this question. She said, I'm noticing a pattern of always becoming the friend, never the love interest what am I doing or not doing? And how do I break out of the friend zone and into the end zone? Mm, I like that analogy, girlfriend. Uh, She says, I'm a 35-year-old woman in New York, boss, marketing exec, but I'm the mama bear, good friend to everyone. I've, quote, hung out and, quote, multiple times, one-on-one with love interests, and they just aren't ever interested in that way. What can I do to be seen as girlfriend material? Girlfriend, I hear you. And I have lived that life for sure. There is definitely something that you need to do to give a different vibe. And here's what I'll say. Let's just break it down. I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off. If a man does not have a physical attraction or express attraction in some way when you first meet, you are fighting an uphill battle. I'm speaking biologically, even though it may sound a little heteronormative right now. But men tend to be more visual than women. And so a woman can develop a feeling of attraction as she gets to know someone better, gets to trust them, gets to understand them and develops a bond. Men have different hormones and they are looking for that immediate spark. And then if they have the immediate spark, they will go further. This also happens a lot with male clients. When I'm working with them, they swipe in that way, too. They are only going based on their attraction initially. And then if they like the attraction, then something more can develop. But women will swipe in a totally different way and spend 20 minutes deciding if somebody, if they can marry someone before they swipe right or left. Of course, I'm exaggerating, but you get the point. So we got to first separate the people that you're already in friend zone relationships with. I would say if you already know it's not going anywhere, don't waste your time, Lindsay. Just go ahead and be their friend or or cut the relationship if you feel like it's taking too much of your emotional energy to invest in that relationship and turn it towards turning on the next person that you meet. So we got to talk about some things, Lindsay. How are you presenting? Are you presenting yourself in a way that you want to be seen as a love interest? Or are you kind of like, I don't want to look like I'm trying too hard. I'm just going to wear these sweatpants just like we've been doing at home all week. And then he'll just see the real me because, I mean, that's a cute idea and all, but it doesn't really work in the real world. I would say put in a little extra effort. People always ask me, how do you dress for a date? And I always say dress nicer than you think you should. Because nobody was ever like, oh, that person dressed too nice for the date. They care too much about meeting me. No, everyone wants to feel like you actually gave a damn to show up and to show up your best self. So when you are moving into these situationships, before you even get to that point, make sure that you are putting your sexiest foot forward in the beginning. The other thing is I would just really look at what are the skills. You're a boss marketing exec. So you know about marketing. So I'm speaking your language. So apply it to yourself right now what skills and qualities make you successful as a marketing exec? What are the qualities you're bringing into that room to be respected, to be given assignments, to to really be seen as a leader? Then think about what are the qualities that you think would make you a great partner? And I bet you there are not too many overlaps between those qualities. Some, but certainly it's a different list that you'll be looking at. So I want you to focus on how can I bring some of these other desired qualities forward on the date? You probably need to have a wardrobe shift if you're going to any dates or hangouts right from work. You got to change your wardrobe, change your mindset, change your mood. You might need to listen to some different music. You might need to put on some other underpants. I'm telling you, (laughs) this is a real thing. Like, if you put on sexy panties, you go to the date with that as your little secret, you're gonna carry yourself in a different way. <laughs> Hot tip. So, if you're dating on apps or you're meeting people IRL, there's really no reason for you to slip into friend zone, okay? You're there for business and let it be known upfront. And this doesn't count for work situations, because you know, I'm not a big fan of meeting people at work, but in all other situations, You should be doing all the flirting things that we've talked about in past episodes like right out of the gate. We need to get rid of this idea of I'm trying too hard because it's just like I'm trying. And then, you know, Lindsay, you know, if that person gives you some vibes back, then you're like, oh, I'll just use your marketing terms. You have a warm lead here. But if that person seems friendly to you from the get-go, you know that you don't need to invest in it. And if they turn around and start chasing you, then good. What you've done has worked and you've ignited something in them. But if they don't, or if they don't vibe back with you, you want to conserve that energy for the next situation or date that you're in where you can really bring your sexiest self forward. And for goodness sakes, do not mother them. If you're trying to fix people, you're their shoulder to cry on. You're like, let me just be there for you and we'll grow into him respecting me and falling for me. That is a rom-com trope. It is not factual. And I don't want you to get caught up in the fantasy. All right. Our next question comes to us from a fella named Tim. He says, hi, Demona." I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning of the year and it's fantastic. I've downloaded your helpful profile starter kit. I swear I'm not paying Tim. This is just what he said. He said, I've been practicing slow love and thinking about where I can meet new people online and off. So massive thank you for changing my mindset around dating. If you don't know what Tim is talking about, go to datesandmates.com and like do the deep dive that he's been doing. Okay. Here's his question. He says, I have had one date with this girl and the date went really well and I just match with someone else who I'd like to get to know. Should I date more than one person at the same time? Would it get confusing? What's your advice around dating multiple people at the beginning and later down the road? All right, Tim, here's what I need you to understand. The expectation on dating apps is that you are not exclusive until proven otherwise, until you have the conversation or it's abundantly clear that you are in partnership. I would still have the conversation, but I know sometimes people don't like to talk about their feelings because it's awkward. But you're good, Tim. You can go ahead and date who you want to date because the expectation is not that you are exclusive, especially after one date with this girl. I would say woman, but okay. So the date went really well and that's great, but that is just one date. So we want to be careful not to play forward to the end or make expectations about where it's headed. Now, I hear sometimes from clients, they're like, it's too hard for me, Demona. It's confusing. Like you said, I can't juggle multiple people at once. Let me tell you the story actually of my very first client ever. His name is Todd and he had been a serial monogamist. He'd literally been from relationship to relationship to relationship. And he came to me after his last relationship ended and it had been like six months since he'd been in a relationship and he just didn't know how to be not in a relationship. So I was like, we got to get you on the apps, Todd. And he went on match. I created his dating profile. He got matches and he, he contacted me like a month later and was like, Demona, I don't know what to do. I, I'm dating two women at the same time. I've never done this. Like, it feels so weird. He thought he was like being naughty or something because he was dating two women. And I was like, it's cool, Todd. Like, that's the point of doing the profile starter kit. You get all these options magnetized to you. Then you have to go through the screening process like I was talking about in the hot tip segment. So I suggested he continue to just date them, but be upfront about the fact that it was not exclusive. And within a couple of months, it became very clear to him that one of those women was a better match than the other. And he let the other woman know that they weren't going to be seeing each other anymore. And he kept dating the other woman. And guess what? He ended up marrying that lady. They have two kids now. And he has the beautiful life that he dreamed of. And had he, like, freaked himself out because if he was dating two people at the same time and needing to feel pressured to make a decision too early on, maybe he wouldn't have gotten to that point. So I'm glad to hear you're doing slow love. Just take your time. Pace out those interactions over time. Really try to not speak constantly. Like the texting in between dates is really a killer in the early phase. So try to space that out and save the juicy stuff for the dates. And of course, later down the road, you know, if you're six to 10 weeks in and you're or if at any point you get clarity You only want to date this woman and you're not still interested in swiping or you're not matching with other people that you're like, that person could be as great or better than this person. Then you have your answer. People like to say, oh, the paradox of choice. Nobody ever wants to settle down. And it's crap. Like, you know, when you meet somebody who's different and you want to invest your time in them, you're not thinking about the other people. So go ahead and do you right now, Tim. Have a good time. Be authentic, be upfront, and then come back and talk to me when you get to the point where you are clear you want to continue dating one or both or neither, or send me, hopefully, your wedding invitation. That's it for episode 373 of Dates and Mates. We'll put the link in the show notes for Logan's book, How to Not Die Alone. If you heard something you like, we are always looking for more friends. Share this show with a friend so we can keep this dates and mates party going for another nine seasons. You can hit me up with your questions, just like Tim and Lindsay did. I'm at Damona Hoffman on all of the socials. You know what I really love? I love a voice memo. You can send me a DM and record your voice right there on Instagram, or you can leave me a voicemail at 424-246-6255 with your questions for the show. We will keep season nine rolling next week with another great show on Tuesday. Until then, I wish you happy dating.